0: Savior, when we loved you not, you loved and saved us all. O great good shepherd of mankind, O hear us when we call. Amen. Our text for our sermon is out of our Passion history, as recorded in Matthew chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, and Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. They plotted together how to arrest Jesus in some deceitful way and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, or else there might be a riot among the people. Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. He went away and spoke with the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard about how he could betray Jesus to them. They were glad and agreed to give him money. He promised to do it and was looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus to them away from the crowd. This is the gospel history of our Lord. The hymn of the day for Ash Wednesday, which we just sang in Adam, we have all been one. In verse four, we heard those lines. "O Savior, when we loved you not, you loved and saved us all. Now stop and think about that. Men like Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to win forgiveness, even for him, even for those who mocked him. This was not what was being taught 500 years ago. This year, October 31st, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's publishing that 95 thesis, which kicked off the Reformation. And I've taken advantage of every festival I can to focus on blessings we've got out of the Reformation. And don't kid yourself, I'm going to be doing the same thing during this Lent season. And so today in our sermon, we see because of the Reformation, we're able to see that grace is offered even to the undeserving. And we're going to use Judas to see that. Now, at the time of the Reformation, original sin had not quite completely been denied in the Catholic Church. You see, original sin, which we as Lutherans teach, is that Until the day God separates my soul from my body, I've got this sinful nature that does nothing but hate God and despise his word. It's why you'll listen to the sermon tonight before you get home. If I if I was blessed to keep you hanging on every word, you will have forgotten most of it anyways. Jesus didn't have that problem because he didn't have a sinful nature, even as he was hiding and not using all of his godhood. But around 400 A.D., a heretic came along named Pelagius, and he said that man was, was not sinful from birth. He chooses to be bad. And St. Augustine stood up against him. St. Augustine's the guy that Luther, when he discovers the gospel, finds, ah, it was there before 400 A.D. St. Augustine is one of the ones that made it very clearly there. So St. Augustine stands up against Pelagius, and the Catholic Church believes in original sin. But they see it as more of a minor blemish. So the way they saw it, and still to this day, the official teaching is called infused grace. Now what is infused grace? Allow me to use the example of a car. If you've left your headlights on on your car and it's dead, so the battery's not turning over, I show up and I jump start you. Once you get your car engine to turn over, your alternator with your engine running will not only keep the engine running, but it will, if you leave it running long enough, will recharge your battery. So the Catholic Church, its official teaching is that you are born sinful and God gives you a jump start. And once he gives you a jump start, then you start on not only making up for the jump start, but you start contributing, earning back for the sins you've committed. And that's called infused grace. But that's not what the lay people as a whole were led to believe or believe during the time of the Reformation. They thought you had to butter up God even to get him to give you a jump start. And this was not uncommon. Even the Pharisees and others thought that in Jesus's time. And that influence led the disciples when Jesus came to the man born blind to say, Lord, who sinned, him or his parents, that he's born blind? And obviously, the guy was born blind. Well, they're figuring, well, God must hate them for something he knew the guy was gonna do or maybe his parents weren't married or something. And Jesus says, neither one. This happened so that I would be glorified and he restored the man's sight. So we get this idea that the Reformation has to straighten out, that that somehow or another the undeserving just don't get God's favor. you got to make yourself deserving. And Luther straightened that out and he used the word of God and Judas as an example of that. Now, after Judas betrays the Lord, he feels guilty, and we'll get into that in a minute. But his guilt leads him to commit suicide. It's not that he betrayed Jesus and it's not the suicide that led him to hell. We'll get into that in a minute too. Afterwards, one thing I want to point out, it starts at Acts chapter 1, verse 16, after Jesus' ascension, we're told, Gentlemen, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David about Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Judas was counted as one of us and was given a share in this ministry. Stop and think about that, brothers and sisters in Christ. Judas was counted as one of us. We are never told that Judas was an unbeliever when Jesus called him or that he was an unbeliever when he was a disciple. No, something happened. Now, lots of times today people turn around and they get confused. They say, because here we're told that it was predicted by David in the scriptures. And and that's predicted in Psalm 49, verse 9. Even a man who was at peace with me, a man whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has raised up his heel to step on me. So people think poor Judas God determined in advance that Judas would betray him and would turn around then he got backhanded with hell for betraying Jesus. No, he didn't go to hell for betraying Jesus. That was not what sent him to hell. In fact, people think it all wrong. They they put the cart before the horse. The truth of the matter is Judas was a believer. There's only one sin that damns a person to hell because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. That's John 3.16. We call that universal justification. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. If a person finds themselves in hell, it's for one reason and one reason only. They didn't believe in God. They didn't trust in him for salvation. What sent Judas to hell? He had been offered grace brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is true God but he didn't use all the powers of his godhood during his state of humiliation. Yet because he was a man like when he sat at the feet of the rabbis in the when his parents accidentally left him behind, he didn't have that barrier. I won't remember tonight's sermon that well by the time tomorrow morning I start writing Sunday's sermon. But Jesus didn't have a sinful nature to create that barrier. So he would have heard the Psalms and he would have known somebody near him was going to betray him. As true God, later on he even tells Judas, you're going to betray me. Yet think about the grace Jesus presented to Judas. First, he calls him to be a disciple. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're believers here. Which of us would not want to be able to follow Jesus around for three years and have all of our questions answered and sit at his feet and be taught directly by the Word himself, God incarnate? Judas was given that grace. And he wasn't just given the grace because there were crowds of people that followed him. He was given the grace to be one of the inner circle, one of the twelve. And he was given the grace even to do miracles and the authority to heal people and drive out demons. And when Holy Week kicks off in John, we're told that as Mary anoints Jesus' feet, that's Mary, Martha's her sister, Lazarus, her brother, Jesus had raised from the dead, that when she anoints his feet, it was very expensive. It was like a year's expense worth of perfume. And Judas gives the old pious complaint Ah, this should have been sold and given to the poor. This was poor stewardship. Jesus tells him, don't mock her service, but John tells us something else. John tells us the other disciples already knew, and therefore Jesus would have known. See, Jesus also graced Judas to be the treasurer of the twelve. He kept the money bag, but he's taken 4 finger discounts for himself. And he wanted that perfume to have been sold so he could have that money. Brothers and sisters in Christ, with all of God's grace, with the many times when Jesus fed the 5,000 men that were counted with the boy's lunch and all that, all the miracles Judas saw, he let money be his God. And the problem is when we embrace a sin equal to or more than God and we persist on doing it, we will drive that Holy Spirit out of our heart. All of that grace that was offered to him, God assures us and he assures it clearly through the prophet Isaiah when he says, as the water falls from the sky and and into the ground and produces a crop, so my word will not return to me empty handed. And we know from scripture, God's word is always either doing one of two things. It's always either softening a heart or a heart that insists on rejecting it. It will start hardening that heart. Judas had been given many special privileges. And in fact, even the night that he betrays Jesus, as well in our passion history, when Jesus says, what you are about to do, do quickly. That was Jesus giving him an admonition. It was law, but it was a warning in love. Judas even then could have turned back. But he had given his heart over to Mammon. He had had chosen not to let Jesus have the first place in his heart. And so Satan was able to possess that heart. He found the heart empty of the Lord because Judas had already driven the Holy Spirit out of it. So why does Judas end up in hell? Because he had rejected Jesus as his Savior. Judas was sorry for what he'd done. He'd seen that he'd messed things up. And if he had turned to the Lord for forgiveness, it would have been given. God would have given him his grace. He hung himself in unbelief. And so the fact that Jesus continually offered grace to Judas knowing this was going to happen shows and his wonderful comfort for you and I, we don't have to butter up God for him to give us his grace. He wants to give us his grace. He invites us to receive his grace. He shares his word and his grace with us. Now, John Calvin also gets straightened out over Judas because John Calvin taught once saved, always saved. But when you read the scriptures, you see that Judas at one point in time had believed in Jesus. We can fall from our faith. This destroys Calvin's teaching as well. And we're thankful to know, as Jesus says, if you think you're standing firm, watch out that you don't fall. And yet we also know, God says, stay in my word and sacraments, and I will keep you strong, and I will keep you from falling. So Judas is a warning for us, but he's also a comfort for us, because how many of us here have not had children that did fall away from the Lord? How many of us don't have friends or people we've had the privilege of sharing the Word of God with where we watch them fall asleep and decide sleeping in on Sunday, jobs, sports, etc., are far more important. But God continually offers them His grace. Just as He did the Apostle Paul, who was killing Christians, and God offered him His grace and offered him His grace and then showed up and whammo, you are now going to be an Apostle. And so you and I find tremendous comfort Because what if we do start to stumble and fall? God warns us we can drive the Holy Spirit out of our heart. Uh, But he also gives us examples of men like Judas where right up to the end, Jesus, even when he was using his law, his discipline, was giving Judas an opportunity to turn back from his track that God will not stop offering you his grace. And it's a comfort for us when we see friends fall away. And I have the privilege as a pastor to see some of those people even in their 90s return to the Lord because he continually offered them grace. And so, thanks be to Jesus Christ. As we look at the Reformation, Luther being in the Bible, was able to restore once again the church and people could see grace is offered even to the undeserving. In fact, the grace comes to us first by giving us the Word, giving us the faith in the Word so that then we trust and that grace keeps drawing us back to strengthen us in that faith. And so you can rejoice and say, God will always offer you His grace. Amen. Christ is the world's life, Christ and none other. Sold once for silver, murdered here our brother. He who redeemed us reigns with God the Father. Glory to God on high.